This is Jocko Podcast number 238 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. So you may have heard me tell a story in the past about a, a training tool that we used for young SEAL officers. This special training tool was a stick. Okay. Not to hit them with, but to give them to hold in place of their weapon, in place of their gun, if they couldn't detach from their instinct to shoot and replace that instinct with an instinct to lead. Because the leader's job is not to engage the enemy. The leader's job is to make tactical decisions, to direct the troops, find the next move that we're going to take. The leader's job is to actually lead. There is a story, another story, of an ancient Chinese military leader who on the eve of battle was offered a sword from his subordinate leaders, which he did not accept. No, I don't want your sword. I don't want that sword. Because to him, banners, banners, and drums, which is how you would signal back in the day, this is how you would direct troops during this time period, those were the tools of a leader for him. And he said to them to command the troops and direct their blades is the role of a commander. To wield a single sword is not his role. Correct. This leader was named Wu Qi. He lived from 440 to 381 BC, a philosopher, military philosopher, politician, and military leader. He led troops in combat, many battles. I want to say the number was like, like 60 battles, 63 battles or something like that. During the period in history called the Warring States period. He ended up becoming the prime minister of the state of Chu. And there he was, he, he, he led a lot of reforms. He was kind of a, he was like a default aggressive leader, a little bit radical. He would make things happen. He would fire incompetent leaders, spent a bunch of money on the military, tried to build it up. He eliminated these old hereditary privileges that they had back in the day. So you can imagine that's going to make some people angry. Mm -hmm. And he did other things that were good for the state, but were, let's just say, against the norm. Made things happen on the battlefield and in the bureaucracy. And luckily, he wrote down some of these military philosophies in something called the Wuzi. W-U-Z-I. I couldn't really figure out what that word meant. Other than, uh, what was it, room. Like in Chinese, the word Wuzi means room. I, I know that's not that what, what we're talking about here. 
So, and I couldn't find any other information about it. So it was just called the Woozy. I'm sure some people will give us some information about that. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of good information in this book. Once again, written in, I don't know, sometime before 381 BC, which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Like a lot of that time, even though if you look at old pictures, like, you know, the old school black and white pictures you're looking at and it's like, dang, that's like, you know, you understand what a Mm -hmm. photograph is. It's a capture of real. It's basically capture of light coming through this thing and a record of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But what it says is this right here in this little frame right here, this actually happened. This was a actual point in time right here. There's the person, there's the people, whatever. And yeah, you trip out when you find out like how long ago that was. Yeah. It's weird, man. And now think of that somebody, this guy, Wu Chi, <clears throat> wrote the Wu Zi in 381 BC. That's crazy. The idea of your very existence was non existent. Mm. Yeah. Not even close to being existent. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine trying to pull the string on your genealogy or to find out where oh. your ancestors were back then? Yeah. It's and, crazy. Yeah, and you compare it to who kind of you are or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you can go deep in that little rabbit hole. Let's go deep in the woozy. First section. We're jumping right in. <laughs> the need for strengthening domestic and external issues. And this is sort of set up like a story. Which is kind of weird because I don't know if he wrote it this way or if people captured his words, but it's it's written not like too much of a story, but it says this Wu Chi dressed in Confucian attire had an audience of the Lord Wen of Wei to discuss about military issues. This is this is one of those situations where I was like, Oh, you know, I wonder if this will be good. Mm-hmm. I hadn't read it in a while. I'd like looked at it. There's there's, I think, seven ancient Chinese war texts. This is one of them. Sun Tzu is one of them, right? Mm-hmm. I glanced through this one, but I couldn't remember enough about it to think, oh, yeah, I got to do this one. Here's the opening. So Lord Wen of Wei said, I'm not interested in military affairs. Wu Qi replied, this is like him saying, hey, wait a second. That might not be a good call, my brother. <laughs> he says, from the visible facts, I can deduce the hidden. From the past, I can discern the future. How can your lordship say this topic does not accord with your thoughts? Yeah, he's coming out of, <laughs> off the top rope in the opening. Just in the opening. From the visible facts, I can deduce the hidden. From the past, I can discern the future. How can you not want to know what I'm what I've got? Interestingly, you know, echelon front. Sometimes we'll get a client that says, "Well, you know, you're talking a lot about a military stuff." This is what I'm going to tell them from now on. Yep. I'm going to say, "Wait a second. From visible facts, I can deduce the hidden." <laughs> <laughs> so then he continues. This is some of these lines are really. So then he says this. Throughout the four seasons, you have gathered the skins of wild animals covered them with with lacquer, painted them with colors, and embellished them with glistening images of rhinoceroses and elephants. 
wearing them. In, so he's talking about making these garments, these really fancy garments. Mm-hmm. And then he says this, wearing them in winter does not keep one warm. Wearing them in summer does not make one cool. So you've done all this, you make all these fancy things, they have no real purpose. Mm. And he's kind of setting this up to say, moreover, the Lord has ordered the making of 24 feet and 12 feet long halberds, which is like a, you ever seen those spears that have, instead of having a just a point, they have like an ax looking thing on it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yes. that, that's what that is. So he's made, he's, he's ordered to make 24 foot ones and 12 foot ones and had leathers to cover the chariots. These chariots are not grand and beautiful at all. These chariots are not mobile enough for hunting, meaning they're not beautiful, so they're not made for show. They're not mobile enough for hunting. So they're, they're, they're made for one thing. And he says, I have no idea what you have, what use you have for them. If they are to be used for war, but your Lord does not seek capable people who are adept in using them, such a situation is similar to a nesting hen fighting against a fox or a bitch fighting a tiger. Damn. Yeah. This guy's built up some cool looking things, but he's a paper tiger, right? (laughs) Got nobody that knows how to operate these things. Although they have great fighting spirit, they will still die. In the past, the Lord of Chang Sang clan focused on improving the culture and domestic issues but neglected military affairs, thereby leading to the extinction of the state. The Lord of Yu Hu clan was belligerent, thus he focused on military affairs and neglected domestic affairs. He too led the state to extinction. So he gives two examples. One guy focused on domestic and didn't care about the military. They fell apart. One was just belligerent and making war all the time, but not taking care of the domestic. That fell apart. The enlightened ruler would have used such examples to remind him that he should tend to both domestic affairs and military affairs together. When the enemy comes and you do not fight them, such does not count as righteousness. When the enemy comes and you do not fight them, such does not count as righteousness. So the enemy's coming at you, you gotta fight him. When you, oh, this is a good one. When you only start grieving the death of your soldiers after they have died, such does not count as benevolence. Man, you gotta take care of your soldiers before they die. And then it says, thereupon, Lord Wen personally laid a mat for Wu Qi and his wife and presented Wu Wei with the goblet of wine. The Lord later invited Wu Qi to the ancestral temple and appointed him as the commander in chief for the defense of the Western River. So this is, you know, he's like, all right, this guy's got some, he got some goods, puts him in charge. From then on, Wu Qi altogether fought 76 battles. Oh, I was wrong. He knocked out a couple more. Winning 64 of them decisively, the other battles resulted in a draw. He expanded Wei's territory in all directions. Broadening Wei's border by a thousand, by, by a thousand li, which is about a third of a mile. All of these were Wu Qi's accomplishments. So, isn't it cool that he's just got a record like an MMA fighter? <laughs> He's like, yeah, hey, 76 bottles, 64, 64 wins, and whatever the number is, draws. 
That's his. That's his record. record. This dude's got a a, a <laughs> combat battle record. It's freaking legit. All right, now it goes into unity and the people's support. So that's the opener, and and this thing is pretty straightforward. Pretty pretty straightforward. It jumps, goes through pretty succinct sections. This part's called unity and people support. Wu Qi said, in antiquity, the ruler who planned to run his state well would teach, the teach and enlighten the people, be close to the people, and understand their sufferings. Do I not talk about this all the time? Like, you gotta understand where your people are coming from. You gotta, you gotta understand their perspective. And, and you know, I use, I don't know if I, do you think it's, it's okay, or do you think that I have some kind of a subliminal uh, uh, problem with the word empathy? <laughs> uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. I, I I guess maybe I did because I always say you got to understand other people's perspective. Mm-hmm. That whole word can be replaced with just that whole sentence can be just be say empathy. Yeah, that's what empathy means. Yeah, sure. I know, I know. So <laughs> I guess I have some sort of a natural prejudice against that word. Yeah. You know, maybe it's something where in my mind it sounds a little too soft. It's too I'm soft. Like, yeah. We're not doing it. Yeah, like the word. <laughs> Like the word moist. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. that that I don't like that word. Yeah. Even when you know how some words I don't like it when I say it, but other people can say it. Be like, okay, that makes sense, and I don't <laughs> care. But moist is one that anyone says. What moist the way it can, sounds, or just the thoughts it gives you. But the, all oh. all of the the whole deal. <laughs> when someone else says it, like oh, even like you know I you know I stepped here in the ground and it was moist. I'm like, bro, don't say something else, man. Mm. Say damp. I don't know. Actually, damp <clears throat> damp sounds drier than moist. Yes. Right? Yeah. Just say it was kind of wet. Or I don't know, man. Just don't say moist. Okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'll, and I'll refrain from saying it, too. It's kind of that feeling. Yeah. So that's what we're dealing with here. Yes. What he's talking it. about is empathy. What I say is perspective. But we're all saying the same thing. you got to understand your people. There are four disharmonies the ruler should take note of. If there is disharmony in the state, you cannot start a military campaign. If there is disharmony disharmony within the army they cannot be allowed to battle if there is disharmony within the formation they cannot be used to lead an attack if there is a lack of cohesion during the conduct of battle you cannot score a victory what does that mean you got to be unified as a group for this reason the eminent ruler before he employs his people he would unite them first before achieving great matters together the ruler, this is why when you're in a team and you're doing anything that is pulling the team apart, you're not doing a good job as a leader. Mm. The ruler will not dare rely solely on his own plans, but will announce formally at the at the ancestral temple. I, when I was reading this, I was like, oh, this is gonna be decentralized command, but it's not really. Uh, you actually have to announce it at your ancestral temple and then and then sort of uh, get the divine sort of approval from the heavens. That's what it's talking about, which is still cool. Like, I'm, I'm down with that, but I, I was hoping it would be a little bit more focused on decentralized <laughs> command rather than the higher power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he says people will then know that the ruler value their lives, S- will be sorrowed by their deaths, and willing to share weal and woe with them. New word, W-E-A-L, wheel. Yeah. And what it means is wealth. Yeah. Just take the T-H off. Gotcha. He uses it a couple times. 
You, but it's a great expression. Yeah. You got a little alliteration. Hey, I'm willing to share wheel and woe. So good or bad. Yeah. Sickness we're, we're, and health. Yep, we're, there you go. Wheel and woe. I, kind of, I think wheel and woe might be better. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Officers will then consider death while advancing is glorious and life gained through retreating is disgraceful. So the, all these things, what does it mean? You gotta build a tight team. You gotta have good relationships up and down the chain of command. You gotta suffer with your troops. You gotta reward them when there's rewards to be given. Oh, good stuff. That's it. That's on unity and people support. Next section, four virtues of a ruler. Wu Qi said, the way is actually knowing, is actually how things should be done. It means, it is the means by which one can turn back to foundation and return to beginning. Righteousness is ethical behavior. It is the means by which to achieve great accomplishments. Strategizing is the means by which to harm distant, keep harm distant and gain benefits. So you strategize, you keep harm distant and you gain benefits. Principles are which to preserve duty and keep achievements. If one's behavior does not accord with the way and righteousness, but dwells in magnificence and enjoys power, disaster will inevitably befall him. You gotta keep that ego in check. Mm -hmm. If you dwell in magnificence (laughs) and you enjoy power, you got disaster coming your way. Thus the wise ruler will run the state according to the way. Manage the state with righteousness. Order the people with propriety and rule the people with benevolence. Cultivating these four virtues and the state will flourish Neglecting them would lead to decline. Take care of your people, and your people will take care of you. I wrote that in Leadership Strategy and Tactics. The the expression in the SEAL teams was take care of your gear, and your gear will take care of you. It doesn't seem like a huge leap Mm -hmm. to say take care of your people, and your people will take care of you. But man, that's a good thing to remember, and that's what my boy Wu Chi is saying right here. Take care of your people, and your people are gonna take care of you. Righteousness, and doing the right things is another thing I say. Do the right things for the right reasons. That's righteousness. Next section, running the state and victory. Wu Chi said, in general, To govern the state and the army, you must instruct them with propriety, motivate them with righteousness, and instill a sense of shame in them. When men have a sense of shame, one can, to a large degree, wage a war, or to a lesser degree, preserve the state. What does that mean? It means, it reminds me of World War I in England. Have you ever... Kind of what we've talked about on this podcast. They used to give the white flower to if you were a military aged male and you weren't in uniform, meaning you weren't serving, and everyone else was going overseas and fighting. They would give you a white flower, like a real white, like flower. a real white flower, yeah. and it was shame. Yeah, it was shame, and you know that that's one of the things that just drove those men to go and fight in that awful war. Yeah, you know everyone is dying. Everyone is being wounded. Everyone is being killed. It's a total nightmare. 
You know what was worse than that? The white flower. Shame. Damn it. And that's what he's saying. Like the Scarlet Letter. Remember that book? Yeah. Old school. Yeah. The A. Yeah. Yeah, same deal. Thus it is said that for all strong states, those that garner five victories will meet with disaster. So if you win five times, you're gonna meet with disaster. Four victories, you're gonna decline. Three victories, you're gonna achieve hegemony, which means you're like kind of in control. Those with two victories can claim to be kings, and those with only one victory will become emperors. For this reason, those who have conquered through numerous victories are rare, while those that perished because of it are many. This reminds me of the disease of victory. It's like mm-hmm. the more you win, the better chance you have of falling. <laughs> Next, reasons for war and its counter strategies. Wu Qi said there are five reasons why wars are started, and they are to contend for fame, to contend for benefits and advantages, to seek revenge, internal strife, and famine. The names of wars raised based on these reasons are righteous, bully, anger, plundering, contrary. The righteous army is raised to save people from chaos, relying on strength or power to bully people, such as a bully army. Mobilizing an army out of anger is an anger army, an army raised to greedily seek profit without consideration for moral and ethics is called a plundering army. While the country is in turmoil and the people are exhausted, embarking on military campaigns and mobilizing masses is termed contrary. Interesting viewpoints, Mm -hmm. a bully army. Next section, managing troops, selecting talents, strengthening. Now we go to a little Q&A from the Lord Wu. Lord Wu said, I would like to hear your thoughts on managing troops, selecting talents, and strengthening nation. Wu Qi said, from antiquity, enlightened rulers always make every effort to maintain propriety between themselves and their ministers, manifest the des- distinction of rank, allow the allow the officials and people to settle into their respective positions that accord with their customs, select and recruit talents in order to prepare for the unexpected. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. He says the ruler of a strong state must evaluate his people first. And then he breaks this down a little bit. Those who have courage and strength should be assembled into a unit. Those who take pleasure in advancing into battle and exerting their strength so as to manifest their loyalty and courage should be assembled into another unit. Those who are nimble and fleet should be assembled into another unit. Officials who have lost their position and are eager to make amends should be assembled into a unit. Those who have lost in war and want to eradicate their disgrace should be assembled into a unit. These five will serve to be the elite troops. With 3,000 of such men, one can break any encirclement or break into any city. Those are kind of some cool people to think about, right? Yeah. You know? We got the people that just love to fight. We got people that want to prove their loyalty. Got people that are quick. We got people that have lost their position. I think those are the people you got to watch out for. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I guess, I mean, on the surface anyway, it seems like, You'd have to watch out for some some sort of an infighting scenario maybe in some of those. But otherwise, it's like, yeah, you send out your little elite, uh, what do you call it, specialized forces. You know, these guys, they, they like to do this, so let's send them in under these circumstances, you know. It's interesting. 
it's like weapons, like tools, you know? You know, it's it's interesting to think about from like, oh, what you should actually do is understand human nature and know what you're dealing with, right? Like, mm. you've got somebody that gets defeated, somebody that, you know, loses a client. Mm. How do they react to it? They might be, oh, I'm ready to go, boss. Right. Put me in, coach. Yeah. Right? You might have somebody that gets defeated and gets broken down. Yeah. Gunshot. You got to pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. Next section, strength in offense and defense. Lord Wu further inquired, I would like to hear your views on making battle formation stable, defense impregnable, and victory in battle certain. That's kind of a massive question. How do you make my defense impregnable and victory in battle certain? What's Wu Qi say to that? He replied, Wu Qi replied, what I am saying is not only for hearing, Carrying them out would allow you to see immediate effect. So he's saying if you did what I said and could put those men together, you're going to get immediate effect. Mm. He's actually stepping up. He's like, oh, that's your question? (laughs) (laughs) If you have worthy men hold high positions and relatively less worthy men occupy low position, then your battle formations are stable. If people settle down into their respective positions, respect their local authorities, then defense is solid. When the people support the policies of their government and not concerned about those of other states, then in battle, you will already be victorious. This is a very interesting concept. That picture you have a team. This 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 would happen in the SEAL team. Sometimes they'd put together these like kind of super platoons where they would take a bunch of really good guys and put them in there. And all of a sudden, what you have is a bunch of alphas mm-hmm. in the same platoon. And do you think that works out well? What's your guess? Well, well the fact that you brought it up makes me think <laughs> no. But um, Why? I, I, because everyone has a – I mean, the simple answer is, like, everyone's trying to be the alpha, right, exactly. kind of thing. But, yeah, it's like in a, in a team, like, just like all, all those guys, right, there's, like, different types of guys for different jobs. In a team, there's different jobs typically. So it's interesting that he would say, what he's saying is, you know, you put your alphas in there, you put an alpha in there, and then you put some betas in there, and everyone kind of goes into their natural position is going to be the most positive thing. Now, here's what I'll tell you. In life, you're not always going to be put in that situation, and you might be the alpha, Mm -hmm. and you get put in with another alpha. So now what are you going to do? If you're smart, what you'll do is subordinate your ego, Support that other person or you you know, maybe you're just enough Maybe they do that, but what you don't want to do is Fight with that person you're ruining the team. Yeah, there's a these things called logical fallacies There's like a bunch of them or whatever and that's one of them And there there are actually two of them that are kind of one is one and then the other is is like flipped around and it's it's essentially that where it's like individuals like if an individual is a level five and you get you put three of them in there that makes it a level fifteen. It's not the case. Mm-hmm. It's logically it seems the case, but it's like a fallacy for that reason. Yeah. And then the inverse is right too, where it's like if you have a team worth fifteen, if you just break them up, you got three fives rolling around yeah. performing at five. That's not true either because they can function better together for that exact same reason. But it's like the inverse fallacy. Yeah, you can I have, forget what it's called though. You can have a a, a leadership team that just completely complements each other and they can be unstoppable and then you pull one person out or you pull two people out of that team and they fall apart. Yeah, yeah, or at the very least uh, level down, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense when you think about it, but there's so many, it's weird. I was like reading all these fouls. I was like, yeah, that's true. That's a oh, whole dang. And it's because you automatically think these things, you know, there's, yeah, there's a bunch of them. But yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> Importance of seeking talent. 
There once was there was once when Lord Wu was planning state affairs, none of his ministers could be equal to him. After dismissing the court, he wore a happy and satisfied look. So he there he is, he's running the show, he's like, Man, I'm smarter than everybody. This is awesome. Wu Chi saw that and said There was once Lord Shang of Chu was planning state affairs with his ministers. He discovered that none of his ministers could equal his intelligence. After he had dismissed the court, he looked very troubled. Official Shen asked him, why does your lordship wore such troubled countenance? In other words, why do you look so bummed out? And he said, I am not talented, yet none of my ministers are equal to me. Our state is in deep trouble. And then when 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 uh, Wu Chi tells the story, the guy he's talking to gets embarrassed because what does that statement say? That statement says surround your people with be- pe- surround yourself with people that are better than you, smarter than you. That's what that says. If you're smarter, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in a losing team. You should feel horrible. <laughs> national next section: national alertness. Lord Wu addressed Wu Chi. At present, Kin coerces us on the west, Chu encircles us in the south, Chow collides with me in the north, and Qi encroaches us from the east. Yan cuts off our rear, and Han occupies the front. These six states surround us, and we have to defend against them. Our situation is precarious, and it worries me. What can be done about this? Wu Chi said, in general, being alert of danger is true measure of good governance, ensuring security of the state. As you have now recognized the importance of being cautious, disaster can be kept away. So the guy's surrounded and he's like, what can I do? Pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Nothing too miraculous there. Next, next section, providing opportunity for talent. Within the army there will be soldiers whose courage is that of a tiger, has strengths that he can lift tripods easily, and has the fleetness of a barbarian horse. I tried to figure out if there's some root word to tripods. It's mm. like a stool, a three-legged desk. I couldn't find that there was some ancient thing mm. that was really heavy. Mm. So we're just going with that. We have to use our imaginations on that one. To seize enemy's flag or kill enemy's generals, you need such men. You should select them and put them into one unit, honor them and favor them. This is because in their hands holds the fate of the whole army. Those who are experts in weapons, strong and quick and capable and motivated to kill enemies, they should be given rank and prominence. We should also treat the family well, encourage them with rewards, and warn them with punishment. This is because such people can solidly hold their position for a long time and exterminate enemies. If the ruler can discern and evaluate men described, you can attack double force your strength. Lord Wu exclaimed, great. People, you know, you get asked that question a lot. You know, what do you do when you get the the high performers on a team, right? Do you focus on them? And clearly the answer here is yes, and that's usually the answer that I give as well. Uh, You do have to keep a bench, right? You have to have other people, and you have to continue to work to get your bench to become high performers. Mm -hmm. So you don't ignore the bench. When you get the opportunity to give them some playing time, give them some playing time. But... Definitely focus on those ones that are definitely going to get up there and make things happen. Enemies you can attack. Next section. Wu Chi said, in general, when evaluating the enemy, there are eight conditions under which one engages battle without doing an assessment. 
You don't even have to think about these. These are no-brainers. Mm-hmm. These are go criteria. Mm-hmm. In violent winds and extreme clothes, they arise early and are on the march while barely awake and breaking ice to cross streams. So these guys are cold, they're miserable, and they're tired. You can just attack them. Mm-hmm. Next one, in the burning heat of summer, they arise late and press forward with haste through hunger and thirst, concentrating on reaching far off objectives. You see them? Attack them. The army has been out in the field for an extended period. Their food supplies are exhausted. The people are resentful and angry. Numerous bail for portents arise with the officers unable to squash them. You see them? Attack them. The army's resources have been already been exhausted. Firewood and hay are scarce. Weather frequently cloudy and rainy. And if they even want to plunder for supplies, there's nowhere to do it. Cleared hot. Attack them. <laughs> The troops that are mobilized are not large. The terrain and water are not advantageous. The men and horses are sick and worn out with no assistance from their allies. Attack them. The road is far off and the sun is setting. The officers and men have labored long and are fearful. They are tired and have not eaten, having just cast aside their armor. Attack them. The generals are weak. The official irresponsible. The officers and troops are not solid. The whole army is frequently in fear and the troops lack assistance. Attack them. Their formations are not yet formed, their encampment not yet finished, or they are passing through dangerous territory. Only half their troops are out of it. In these eight conditions, you can attack without any doubts. (laughs) Enemies you cannot attack, other end of the spectrum. There are six circumstances. Without performing too much assessment, you should avoid conflict. The land is broad and vast. The people are wealthy and numerous. Avoid conflict. <laughs> the government loves the people. The ruler, the ruler's goodness extends and flows to all. Isn't that an interesting one? Mm. When you have a ruler that takes care of his people, don't even attack them. Mm. Think about that. Think about that as a leader, how you treat your team. When yeah. you treat your team well, when you take care of your team, the, the enemy shouldn't even attack you because they know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, not to interrupt. That w- so this you're reading from a paper right now. Where mm-hmm. where'd you get that? Like obviously it's a book. I got it from uh, the depths of the internet. What is it like a PDF si- situation? You no. Uh, you know I don't. I see. I a, a lot of times in my life <laughs> <laughs> when I'm browsing the internet. Yeah. When I find a good document, I just download that document or I copy paste it and I put it into this file, which is called books and PDFs. So in this thing, books and PDFs, sometimes I'll, I'll go, oh yeah, I'll see something to remind me of it or I'll think of it and I'll just go and, and go in there. And that's where, so I forget where this actually came from because it was just in my personal file that says books and PDFs, which is huh. filled with ancient military Stop. documents and <laughs> F field manuals. And that's, so that's where it came from. So okay. it's, I'm sure you could go Google it and you'd yeah. find it on the internet somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <sighs> Number three. Rewards and punishment system is fair and transparent and is implemented in a timely fashion. You shouldn't even attack somebody that treats their people fairly and transparently. Think about that. Number four, people are rewarded according to their accomplishment and the talented are and able are employed. 
got a talented team. We're not going to play. Forces are massive and well-equipped. I think that is pretty Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-evident. They have assistance of all their neighbors and the support of a powerful state. Okay, cool. So those those were maybe both those sections a little obvious. Mm. Well, which makes you wonder why you have to say it. And I know the answer to the question that I just asked. The reason that you have to say it is because people still don't even execute on things that seem really obvious. Like, hey, we're, the forces are massive and well-equipped. We, we should not attack them. But mm. go look <laughs> at history. As mm. obvious as it is, people do it all the time. Yeah. yeah, one of those things where it's like, okay, are you going to work hard or are you going to work smart? Ideally, both. I get it. <laughs> but, you know, when people are faced, you know, in, in the mix and it's like work hard, work smart, it's kind of like, okay, not a lot of people say – I mean, I don't want to say not a lot, but I'm just saying there are people, let's say on a normal level, quantity-wise, who are going to be like, hey, hard all day Mm -hmm. and turn their back on the smart part, you know? I guess it seems understandable. Yeah, if you're not, I mean, detached, it's kind of like, sure, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this the smartest I possibly can. I have force for sure, but I'm going to play this the smartest given how much force I have. Big, small, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, to follow that makes sense, but I don't know. I guess it's maybe not the, the most obvious. Here's the deal. It's so obvious from the outside. Right. It's watching a movie. It's watching a lame horror movie where you're watching the girl, you know, w- w- hear a noise downstairs in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> the Everybody is, knows. She goes down there barefoot, like super obvious. Yeah, she's but this get stuff cleaned. happens all the time, not just yep. in movies. People yeah. do dumb stuff. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. People do dumb stuff. A lot. <laughs> Mister, check if, in general, if you are no match for the enemy in these areas, without a doubt, avoid them. This is what I meant by see possibility and advance, knowing difficulty and withdraw. So, if you see possibility, advance. If you see difficulty, withdraw. Pretty straightforward. Next section. Detecting the enemy's situation. Lord Wu inquired, from the external appearance, I would love to be able to know their internal situations. From their advance, I would know their objective. From these, I am able to predict victory or defeat. What is your opinion of this? Wu Qi replied, if the enemy approaches in large numbers, but in disarray, their flags and formations are a mess and the troops frequently look about. But using, by using one-tenth of their strength, we can in, invariably cause them to be helpless. So if they're just looking ragtag, pff, no factor. If, reinforcements, if reinforcement has not arrived, there is disunity within the troops. Preparations for defense has not been completed. Orders and rules have not been announced. The morale of the army is shaken. They cannot advance or retreat. You can defeat the enemy with half of its strength and never lose it all. What's interesting about this perception is when uh, my first deployment to Iraq, we were running around in thin-skinned Humvees, meaning there was no armor. It was just super sketch. And one of the things we did, we would actually brief that everyone was responsible for scanning targets, looking, and making our convoy look like a convoy that you don't want to you don't want to upset. So yeah. we, we, we called it the porcupine of death mm-hmm. because we had, we, we had guys in the back of our Humvees. We had these, we had articulating weapons. So we had weapons mounted, mm. crew served weapons mounted on articulating arms 
you've got one of those on each side. You probably had another couple machine gunners in the back anyways. They've got their weapons pointed out. You've got, everyone has got a weapon pointed out of that vehicle. Mm. You've also got the turret gunner, except for the driver. The driver's the only one that's not pointing a weapon. Mm. So those were some, if you were looking at that, and you see five Humvees, and you see, I don't know, there's six guns on each Humvee, (laughs) and some of them are, you know, heavy caliber weapons, belt-fed machine guns. As I'm thinking about it, even right now, I'm thinking if I was an insurgent, I would probably wait till the next convoy where it's all buttoned up, the, you know, people are sitting inside, they're looking straight ahead. Yeah. We turned the seats on the Humvees because we didn't have doors. We turned the seats to face outwards yeah. for two reasons. One, so that we could see and have a better angle to shoot, but also because our chest plates of our body armor would oh, yeah. be then facing the enemy. As opposed to sitting where they could shoot you in the side. Sure. But yeah. just just imagine, you know, so we're, we would ride like our we're facing sideways. Yeah. And our feet are are out of the vehicle and we're just scanning for targets. And so when you see these Humvees, you think, you know what? Yeah. Let's not mess with these guys. Gun barrels pointing at you no matter where you are. Yeah, no matter where you are. We call that, that was our posture. Yeah. And we wanted to have an aggressive posture. And we most certainly did. We also... You know, and those were the were the Mad Max days. So we welded these big, crazy, uh, you know, bumpers on them, and we'd put you know, tires on the front so we could just get, uh, get aggressive. Yeah, get aggressive while driving. It's crazy. And my point is, we we didn't we got ambushed a few times, but when you consider the amount of time we were on the road, yeah. I think there was probably quite a few insurgents or enemy that decided maybe they'd wait until the next convoy. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, weaknesses you can attack. Are there circumstances where the enemy can invariably be attacked? Lord Wu inquired. Wu Wu Chi replied, in employing the army, you must ascertain the enemy's strengths and weaknesses. If you spot an opportunity to attack, attack his weaknesses. Below are the situations you can attack an enemy. When the enemy has just arrived from afar and their battle formations are not yet properly formed and deployed. Again, this is running through a list of things that seem really kind of obvious. If they have just eaten and not less yet established their encampment, they can be attacked. If they are on the move and the troops formation is disarray, they can be attacked. If they have labored hard, they can be attacked. If they had not seized advantages of the terrain, they can be attacked. When they have not seized any critical, the critical timing, they can be attacked. When their flags and banners move about chaotically, they can be attacked. When they have traversed a great distance, their supplies and reinforcements just arrived and the whole troops have not rested, they can be attacked. It goes on. When river, when crossing the river and only half of them have crossed, they can be attacked. On treacherous terrain, on narrow roads, they can be attacked. When formations frequently, change frequently, they can be attacked. When a general is separated from his soldiers, they can be attacked. When they are afraid, they can be attacked. In general, in such circumstances, select crack troops and make a swift attack on them. Divide remaining troops and continue the assault repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> Factors in using troops. Lord Wu asked, in using troops, what is primary? Wu Qi replied, first, you need to be clear about the four principles of lightness, the two principles of heaviness, and the one principle on integrity. Lord Wu asked, what are they? Wu Qi said, these are kind of cool. The four principles of lightness means the terrain that the horses the terrain feels that the horses are light. The horses will feel that the chariot is light. 
The chariots will feel that the soldiers on it are light and the soldiers feel that the burden of war is light. And he breaks this down a little bit more. The terrain feels that the horses means that one should choose suitable terrain that would not hamper the movement of the horses. Thus, the terrain would feel that the horses are light. If the horses are properly fed, they will be strong, and thus, when they are pulling chariots, they would feel that the chariots are light. If the axles of the chariots are well-oiled, sturdy, and properly maintained, they can move soldiers easily. Thus, the chariots will feel that the soldiers are light. If the soldiers have sharp weapons and their armor are sturdy, they will feel confident about winning. Thus, the burden of war will be light. For, so there's the four lights. For the courageous that advance, they should be rewarded heavily. For those that retreat, they should be punished heavily. So there's the two heavies. There are four lights, two heavies, and the last one is integrity. There are two principles. These are the two principles of heaviness. As for integrity, it refers to the integrity of rewards and punishment system. If the ruler is to take note and implement these principles, the troops can achieve victory. It all kind of starts with picking good terrain. <laughs> Man, it was a... The, so much focus, if you're, if you're in combat arms, so much focus should be on understanding terrain. And then as you map that into the civilian sector and jobs and, and businesses, you need to understand what the terrain is. The th- the, what's the market like? What, where are people located? Where are your competitors? What is their encampment like? You can translate this stuff. And you can utilize, ter- and that's the thing, the terrain on the battlefield, is is the best weapon, right? It's like positioning in jiu-jitsu, that when you get the right terrain, it's like you have good position in jiu-jitsu. When you get good terrain in business, you have that kind of massive advantage. <sighs> Gaining control of the army. Lord Wu asked, what measures will ensure the soldiers will be victorious? This guy's asking, these questions are... This is kind of like those questions that are, hey, how do you, how do you pass the how do you pass the guard, right? <laughs> it's like, how do you get around their legs? And you, huh? come on, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Wu Chi has an answer because yeah. Wu Chi's not playing. <laughs> Control is foremost. Lord Wu asked again, is it not a matter of numbers? Wu Chi says, if the laws and orders are not clear, rewards and punishments not met, meted out, when the sounding of the gongs will not cause them to halt or the beating of the drums will not make them advance, even if you have a million men, what use are they? Control is achieved by training and management. At any time, discipline is strict, and during war, they move and attack with awe. Their advance and withdrawal stride is measured the left and right look out for each other even if cover and move even if broken off from the main order they preserve their formations decentralized command even if they scatter they will reform lines the whole army is very united and share weal and woe together when they are employed they do not feel tired no matter where you dispatch them no one can withstand them such armies are called the father and son army. He doesn't go into any more detail about the father and son army. But that whole thing, you know, decentralized command, discipline. When they are employed, they do not feel tired. Think about that, right? Think about that. 
think about that in your personal life. Like you can be tired it going into a workout, and I mean mentally tired. Oh man, I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. When you start working out and you're actively engaged, you're not tired anymore. Mm-hmm. I never feel tired when I'm actually doing something. Yeah. Seriously, that's crazy, right? Yes, it is crazy. I mean, I have to stop doing something, and then I can get tired. It takes yeah. about 40 minutes. Yeah, actually, that makes sense. But it does depend on what kind of tired you're talking about. So you know how there's like the three tireds? I don't know about the three tireds, Not but I know three, that one is obviously physically tired. So when you're working out and you're doing your third set of burpees as fast as you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, that's a different kind of tired. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you can... Um, so that's one, is that one? Is that type one tired? That's type two and three tired, yes. Okay. And keep in mind, I, I said the three tires like it's this known mm-hmm. thing. The, the type three... The three types of tired is the three types of tired that I recognize in myself. Okay, so this is the Echo Charles, the principles, the ancient principles of Echo Charles. (laughs) (laughs) There's sleepy tired. No, yeah. Well, fatigue is a general. Okay, sleepy tired. Sleepy tired. Is that that the doctrinal name for it? Sleepy tired. Okay. so So far, yes. Uh, that's the one you're talking about where you're a little sleepy tired, but you're not the other two t- kinds of tired. Mm-hmm. You can just warm up a little bit, get the blood flowing, mm-hmm. you know, maybe boost some adrenaline in some capacity and you're, you're rolling. You're good okay. to go. You stop. You're going to go back to sleepy tired a little okay. bit. Then there's like, then there, <laughs> then there's lungs tired, meaning like yeah. my muscles are working, but I'm breathing so hard yeah. that I, that like relief is like, you just need, you need relief from that. So you got to rest, whatever. Lungs, t- lungs, sleepy tired, lungs tired. And then we have muscular tired. Muscular tired, like yeah. yeah, straight up muscular just can't fatigue. can't move this bar anymore. Yeah. So in jujitsu, like all of those kind of come into play where. Sleepy tired? Yeah, so you can be sleepy tired before you get on the mask, but once you start rolling, it goes away. Okay. That's how you recover from sleepy tired in jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu sleepy tired comes before the roll. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So now in jiu-jitsu, you can have a guy, a real ha- fast-paced guy, and you'll be lungs tired. Like you'll be like, yeah, yeah, like for sure. this guy, sure. but muscular, you can still push oh, him, yeah. but you're just breathing so hard and he gets you in some kind of claustrophobic situation, you're in big trouble. Depends on who you are, of course, but. If you're muscular fatigue tired, you're not like breathing hard. You know, like, I mean, that I guess typically happens is if you're like really not in shape and you go like a few rounds, you know, yeah. or if you or if you've just been rolling all day. Well, the, the, well, I tell you where I get muscular tired is like you you either are giving or receiving a singular move for an extended period of time, i.e. you get my arm and I'm defending yeah. for four and a half minutes. Yeah. Muscular tired. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, and it applies. And you'll to, be muscular tired too, by the way. Yeah, right. Of course, yeah. It happens to both of us. Yeah, fully, and it'll you know obviously depend on how good a shape certain muscles are, muscle groups, whatever. And it can apply to individual muscles or parts of your body or your whole body. Like you ever felt like, bro, my body is just all getting up. It's like it's like your whole body is muscular tired, but you're not breathing hard or nothing. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, I'm dead, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like you know if you roll for like a long time, that tends to happen in my experience anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that's three, ty- three types three of tired. Three types of tired. Ancient Echo Charles doctrine. Yeah. Fully. I'm sleepy tired. That, that's <laughs> my favorite one, bro. Sleepy tired. Because you know that's the same word, right? Uh, Well, you know, I guess. <laughs> Depends on what you mean. No, not necessarily I guess tired. No. You know what? You know? The Eskimos have what? What they always say. The Eskimos have 100 words for snow or something like that. Well, the Hawaiians have two words for water. So it's like, okay. What are wa- the two words? Well, actually, there might be more. But there's water like on a river and there's, there's the ocean water. Because mm. they're like different things, yeah. you know, in their mind. Yeah. Even though they're made of the same liquid, whatever, H2O. I guess sometimes <laughs> there's salt in one of them. But nonetheless... <laughs> 
you see how they can be differentiated yeah. from a certain approach. You see what I'm saying? Do you like, know the two Hawaiian words for water? Yeah, vai and kai. Which one's which? Vai is river water or like lakes or, you know, like. What's, what If you were going to ask for a drink of water, what would you oh, ask see, for? I don't know. That's that's another one. That could be a whole different thing. Yeah. My Hawaiian we're going to need to check sisters. back with our people. Yeah. Figure out what the deal is there. Oh, yeah. That, and that's why, like, there's a lot of, like, towns and even names or whatever. They'll have Kai in them or, or Vi. It's actually oh. Vi, but it's spelled W-W-A-I. So Kai, K-A-I, is the ocean water. That's oh. They're referring to the ocean water. Lots so, of people named Kai, too. Exactly right. right. Kai something, yeah. you know, or it could be part of it. You know, like, you can you can have names like, you know, Kainoa or, mm-hmm. you know, Kailani or this and that. Um, and Kailani roughly translates to beautiful ocean. Lani is like beautiful mm. or you know loving or some, uh, you know it's a, there's a bunch of translations right. for sure. We're, we're not putting you on the spot. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging deep in yeah. my you know Hawaiian Hawaiiana right now. But nonetheless, <laughs> yes, Kai. You if you say Makai, that's like a that's like a, a position slash location. Makai that's, means that's, towards that's the ocean. Towards the ocean. Yeah, and if you say Mauka, that means towards the mountain. The mountainside. Yeah, mountainside exactly. But anyway, yes. Three words for tired, mm-hmm. two words for water in Hawaiian, and, you know, cool. there you go. All right. We're going to go with that. I like it. <clears throat> Next one. Notes on marching armies. Wu Chi said, in general, the way to command a marching army is not to contra-intervene, not to contravene the proper timing, advancement, and stopping not miss the appropriate times for eating and drinking and not completely exhaust the strength of men and horses. These three are the means by which troops can undertake their orders from their superiors. When the orders of the superiors are followed, control is achieved. If advancing and resting are not a proper timing, the drinking and eating are not timely. When the horses are tired and men are weary and not allowed to relax in encampment, then they will be unable to carry out the commander's order. If they're unable to carry out the order, they're going to be defeated. Uh, Dave Burke got asked, Good deal, Dave. Yes, got asked a question today on EF Online, and and this this one guy named Evan was asking, you know, hey, my team right now needs to get after it big time, mm-hmm. and we can't take a break, but people are burned out, and if we don't keep going right now, we're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And Dave Burke, good deal, Dave. Yeah, yeah. he he said, well. Do you really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, really? And then, and then he and the guy said, you know, it's like a marathon. You know, we, we're in a marathon, and we, you know, if we stop, we won't finish. Mm-hmm. And and Dave's works like, actually, you can be in a marathon, and you can stop, and you can still finish. Factually, right? You can sure. take a break. Yeah. And then, what did he say? Max Q. Oh yeah, so there's three modes of speed in a jet fighter. Max Q is we're going as fast as we possibly can. Max R is, hey, our range is, we're gonna go as far as we can. Mm -hmm. We're trying to, because obviously if you're going as fast as you can, you might not be able to go as far because you're burning more fuel. Mm -hmm. And then the last one was Max E, which was, I think it's max efficiency, meaning we're just gonna stay Flying as long as we can. Gotcha. Yeah. And so he said, well, "You gotta you know, know when to push, and then you gotta back off." 
Then you push for a second, then you back off. He's, and, and Dave was saying almost never, well, he, would, he said all the time, they would be constantly going between max Q, max R, max E, mm-hmm. and just going back and forth between these things. Real quick, one more time, max Q yeah. is fast. How far can we go? How far? And then, no, okay. sorry, max Q is as fast as we can possibly go. And then max I don't even know if the award R. was max. Yeah, it was max Q, max R, because now it's just, yep, and then the last one was max E. So R is as far as you can go, straight up, whatever speed. We're just trying to get there. We're trying to to get as far as we can. Yeah, and then max E is like basically as far as fast. No, max E is staying in the air. Like we want to be able to stay in the air. Gotcha. Because there's an optimum time where we might be going slower, but we're saving a lot of fuel. Okay, yeah, yeah. And if we went faster, we could go further but not as long. We just want to stay okay. in the air. Okay, I understand. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's kind of like jujitsu, right? Yeah, it's yeah. In, in your body, you have similar energy systems. Yeah. Too. What is it? Um, anaerobic. Anaerobic. Lactic aerobic. Acid, and then aerobic. Yeah. Anaerobic, lactic acid, and aerobic. Aerobic. Yeah. Three systems. Yeah, and they're a blend. It's yeah. not like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know they blend into each other kind of thing. So it's not like oh, you know. Next one, decisiveness. Wu Chi said, in general, I'm going to change my voice a little bit. Yeah, I did. <clears throat> we got to go a little heavy on this one. In general, on the battlefield, soon to become a land of corpses. If the soldiers are committed to fighting to death, they will live. Whereas if they seek to stay alive, they will die. Makes sense. Got to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. If you're scared of dying, your chances of dying increase. Mm-hmm. A general, a good general, will act as if they are on a sinking boat or trapped in a burning building. There is not enough time for the wa- to for the wise to make plans or the courageous to get angry. Only thought that one can have is to fight. Thus, it is said that the greatest harm can befall an army is the result of hesitation while the disasters that befall the whole army is a result of too much doubts leading to slowness. What did Patton say? A good plan executed now is better than an imperfect plan executed in two weeks. Those are good ones. Education and training of armies. Wu Chi said in war, men constantly perished from their inabilities and are defeated by unfamiliar. Thus, when deploying troops, training should be given the priority. One man who has been trained in warfare can instruct 10 men. 10 men can train 100 men. 100 men can train 1,000 men. 1,000 men can train 10,000 men. 10,000 men can train a whole army. Use the advantage of being near to counter enemy that comes from afar. Use the advantage of being well-rested to counter an enemy that's been labored. Use the advantage of being satiated to counter the enemy that is hungry. Having them from deploying in circular formations and change to square ones. Have them sit, then get up and move, and halt. Have them halt, move left to right, right to left. He's talking about how to train these people. How Have them divide and combine, unite them, disperse them. When all these changes are familiar, provide them with weapons. All these mentioned are great. I used to do this with, uh, I did this all the time. I would take my SEAL platoon, take, take my SEAL task unit, go out on the beach. We wouldn't even have, we'd just be wearing PT shorts mm-hmm. and pairs whatever sneakers 
and get in our patrol formation and then go contact front, contact right, contact left, center peel, peel right, peel left, and call these random calls. Yeah. And people just have to figure it out. And you start going, hey, you come with me. Here's a new call. And people start taking ownership and people start making things happen. You start to see initiative and you start to see decentralized command. Mm. And by the time you we would get to let's say land warfare and we'd thrown all this chaos at all these guys and they got used to making things happen mm. it just seemed easy yeah it almost seemed like we were cheating yeah do you run into like in the beginning of say that kind of exercise or whatever like mm-hmm. kind of a chaotic kind of scenario oh, for sure and then what you just sort of what give them guidelines or, or work through it like but you coach them up like after a little i might but work through it because yeah. as you work through it, you're getting better. We, now we would have a debrief, you know, maybe go through okay, yeah. eight or go. ten little mini maneuvers. And this is, you know, the classic one is you you call your first call and everyone knows what to do. And then the you let that start to get executed. Then right as it's getting executed, you call a different call. Oh, yeah. Huh. Then as that one's getting, so now you got confusion times one. Yeah. Then you call a different thing, you get confusion times two. Now we're all split up. You're, you know, you're used to be your fire team being Bill, Fred, and Joe, and all of a sudden you're not with Bill, Fred, and Joe. And a matter of fact, you're a junior guy, and everyone in your fire team that you randomly end up with is all junior guys as well. No one knows that they need to step up in charge. Finally, you look around and say, I gotta make a call right now. Hey, fire team, it's on me. We're gonna bound forward. Ready, move. And you, the guys listen to you. Why? Because they're starting to adapt to the situation. Huh. So they so we all start off with like pretty clear guidelines, super general, yeah. but pretty clear. Like every seal knows what to do when you say contact front. Gotcha. Everybody knows what to do. Yeah. And then you say center peel. Everybody knows what to do. Everyone's done that drill thousands okay. of times. But then while they're doing the center peel, you say contact rear. Mm. And then you so now they're jumbled up. But then you call another call. Mm. And you say contact rear. And then you say the tactical call for we're going to flank them. Hmm. And now people start to work the flank, but they're with a different group. And now as that flank is happening, you call contact front or contact rear again or contact left or contact right. And now we've got to start to orient to this new situation. And so you just keep doing all these different calls and it makes people think. And like I said, it felt like I was cheating because by the time we would get to land warfare, they would throw the the the, the problems at you. Mm-hmm. And the problems would not be problems because we already, we already scrambled our brains over and over again, and everyone knows how to look around and figure out who to grab. And hey, if I'm alone or I'm no one's in charge, cool. I'm gonna grab three guys. We're, we're a fire team. We're gonna move. Bro, that's so interesting. That like, because okay, I used to play football, and bro, it's the exact same thing. So what you know, you know, you heard of oh, line of scrimmage. We're gonna call an audible, mm-hmm. right? Basically, all that means is I'm changing the play because of the defense I, I mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. or whatever. And then there's little maneuvers you can do. You can be like, I know we know this team plays this certain defense or whatever, so we're going to line up a certain way. That means they're going to line up a certain way. Then we're going to call the audible on the line. And we're going to scramble because we already know where we're going to shift to. Mm-hmm. And then right when we shift, we're going. When we shift, they have to shift too, but they're reactive. So, so yeah. they got to make all these decisions right there, right before yeah. the play starts. So you should catch them off guard like that. So now imagine if you did that three times in a row, four times oh, in a row, yeah. five yeah. times in a row. Yeah. And then they're going to have real problems. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But man, that's crazy how like SEAL team practice and training or whatever, like the parallels with like basically team sport. Because basketball do the same thing. Same exact thing. Yeah. They'll, you know, it, it looks different on the field. Obviously, it's a different sport, but they do the same thing. Yeah, and I think for, for the takeaway is like to just being a leader in general, you're putting your 
putting your troops into situations that they're not familiar with, they learn how they learn a protocol, they learn how to deal with those situations, yeah. which I wrote about in 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 the code. I wrote about how do you handle a situation when you don't know what to do. What do you do? Well, I'll just break it out right now because <laughs> we're here. Because uh, it's a good protocol. It's 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 a very and it's the it's the protocol that you have to follow upon the most because it's the unknown, right? Yeah. The other protocols are straightforward. You know, here's the problem. Here's the solution. This is the unknown. What do I do when I don't know what to do? Something bad happened. And I don't even know where to start. This is this this is the strategy protocol. Every scenario cannot be addressed. So this is the protocol for what to do when you don't know what to do. One, start by taking a step back, detach, take a breath, look around, make sure you assess everything that's happening. So this is what we do. So this is what's happening when you're in a seal platoon and there's three calls just got made, and now you're in the unknown. You don't know what to do. Take a step back, detach, take a breath, look around, make sure you assess everything that's happening. That's that's exactly what you should do. Mm-hmm. Next, think about what your possibilities are and decisions you could make right now and what could happen. So now you look around and say, okay, what could we do? Could we go to that berm over there? Could we go to that little ravine over there? And then here I say write it down because we're in an administrative situation. But then you look at, okay, what what does the success look like? Does that get us where we want to be? Can I get there? Can I make that happen? And then you work the plan, make a call. And you want to make small, make a small step towards what you think is the right decision, and that's what I write about in in leadership strategy and tactics, which is the iterative decision making process, which is making small steps in the direction that you think is correct. And yeah, and then you assess if that was a good call or not. And you saw the ravine; you started moving towards the ravine. There doesn't seem like you're taking any further contact from that area, so you can keep moving there. So you make another call that continues you pushing in that direction. But what happens is everybody on the team starts to realize how to how to do the, all those little steps. Yeah. So that new guy, that when you walked out on the beach for the first time, this guy has no idea. And what's cool is this isn't a drill that you had to run every single day. You could run this drill like three or four times, and then people would just be good enough where you know you're like, okay, we got this. Mm. And they're they're a, they are. I was going to say ten times better. And then I was going to say a thousand times better, but then that sounds sounds unrealistic. But the but the actual number is, when you walk out on the beach for the first time as a new guy and you've never done this before, you're zero. Mm. You're zero. You when that first call when the no when the first call gets made, you go oh, cool. I know what to do. When the second call gets made, you're at a zero. You have no idea what's happening. Yeah. So when when you've done this now for three hours, one morning, when you're done with those three hours, you're a whole new man. Yeah. You're a whole new man. Your ability to process what's happening, your ability to figure things out, your ability to grab two or three other people, put them in your fire team, and start making, t- making, taking action to support whatever calls being made. You're a totally different human being hmm. in three hours, which is amazing. Yeah, that is. Crazy. And by the way, the only training that the only equipment that you need is a pair of shorts and a stick, yeah. and you can say bang bang. <clears throat> Next, placing individuals in appropriate positions. Wu Chi said the basic rule of warfare that should be taught is that men of short stature should carry spears and, and spear tip halberd. The tall should carry bows and crossbows. The strong should carry flags and banners. The courageous should carry bells and drums. The weak should serve in logistics, while the wise should be involved in planning. People from the same village or district should be grouped together so they can look out for each other. 
<laughs> I got a kind of a kick out of that one. It's if you think about, you know, once you're carrying once you're carrying guns, a lot of the physical differences between humans go away. Yeah. You know, not not that they go away completely. I was thinking about this the other guy a text from one of my SEAL friends that one of my, you know, a guy that I grew up with in the teams and he's just a incredible beast of a specimen of a human being, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember I was watching we were doing a training operation. We were down in the jungles of Louisiana. <laughs> and we were doing a raid, a live fire raid. So we're using really real bullets. And I was in the base element, which is the cover element. So we, I was not going to move. I was laying there. And this is generally the place for the radio men, generally the pers- place for the platoon commander that you're going to s- sit next to the platoon commander and and you usually would be looking at rear security, and then you, so you put down cover fire, and then the assault element moves into position, and then assaults through the target, and you ship fires, they move through. Anyways, the point of all this is that they had this kind of semi-cheesy target set up for us. There was, you know, some, some a couple plywood buildings, some barrels, and there was a picnic table, a random like picnic table was in there. And I'm watching the silhouette of this assault happen. And I see my buddy and you know he's like 6'4 and just sort of a just overall general beast of a dude and a great athlete. And I see him he's carrying an M60 machine gun. This was before the the modern uh, machine guns that we have now. So this is a big normally it's a crew served it used to be a crew served weapon. Meaning you have a person to carry the weapon and a person to carry the ammunition and sometimes a person to carry the tripod. Hmm. We had them with bipods, we had modifications to them, but in the SEAL teams, you carry those weapons by yourself. Hmm. So he's got this big giant weapon and I'm watching him and he's he gets to this picnic table and he's shooting, because they're shooting, it's live fire and we have now shifted fire, we've actually now ceased fire. So we're no longer shooting, we're just watching them move for the target. And I see him, He's, and he's carrying this giant M60, and it looks like he's carrying a BB gun because <laughs> he's just big, <laughs> yeah. and he's just laying down fire. Yeah. And he steps up on this on this picnic table as if it was as if he was stepping over an ant hill. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, dang, I'm like, yeah. If this dude, this dude was born to be doing what he's doing right yeah. there with that pig, that pig gun. So. That's what I was thinking about when I thought of this section right here. Mm-hmm. That you know, you and you know, look, your point man. A lot of times, the point men are these small guys. Hey, the Vietnam point men—they were legendary. They always be these the small seals, right? Hey, that guy's gonna be point man. The big dumb new guys—you're gonna be a sixty gunner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they still kind of carry this stuff out, and of course, it's not written in stone. And you can definitely be. There's plenty of guys that have been very small and carried in, carried a heavy machine gun. There's plenty of big guys that have been point men, but we do, you know, there's a little bit of it. Because it makes sense. Yeah. It makes okay. sense. When you say pig, what, is the, what does that mean? Does that mean the M60 or does that mean just a big gun? What that, does that means mean? it used to mean the M60, but now it also means the Mark 48, which is the new modern version. It's a big belt-fed machine gun. To mm. put it in clear terms for you, yes, the iconic Rambo weapon. And commando, by belt the Belt-fed machine gun. 
I don't know about Commander. I don't know what kind of weapon he was carrying in M60, there. M sixty. Okay. He was like shooting everybody from the hip, carrying the 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 bullets, right? The belt, whatever. Yeah, in his other hand, belt machine gun. Yeah. Yeah. Rambo, I think, kind of did it before Commander, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. When he came back, he was shooting up the office. Oh yeah. So oh. so picture that weapon. I mean, because well, now you can picture it with with Sly Stallone, right? Yeah. Do you know how Do you know how tall Sylvester Stallone is? Oh, well, not exactly, but I know that he's not as tall as like a you know your guy yeah, six four exactly. and Arnold. Yeah. So you can you can picture my buddy just laying <laughs> down. And by the way, having that thing shouldered, yeah, like shouldered like a rifle, and just laying it down, yeah, as he's moving, as he's walking over an obstacle like it's no factor. <laughs> I know, and I'm totally picturing it. And yes, that's a that's a glorious uh, vision for sure, right there. When I was young, we we're watching Rambo and Commando. See, and when I was young, we were doing assaults with live <laughs> fire in the swamps yeah. of Louisiana. You were watching Rambo. Yes, Continue. yes, completely different for sure. No, I think uh, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> More or less, more or less, yes. Uh, and my dad commented on that. He said, because he saw, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando, because that's the one we used to watch together. And he had it, yeah, shooting from the hip, one hand, holding the, the, the belt. bullets, yeah, the belt in the other hand. And he's just laying down, he's just mowing down everybody, right? In the, the little plantation, wherever he was. And my dad said, He's like, man, like, that's impressive. You see that gun that he's carrying right there? I was like, yeah. He's like, that gun, it would take me, you, and then he named, like, our neighbor, who's, you mm-hmm. know, a normal guy. He's like, it would take all three of us to pick that gun up. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, that's a heavy gun. I mean, Arnold's holding it with one hand. So it's interesting you say that because, damn, that's what my dad said back in the day. Yeah, I mean, you can. You can definitely do what Arnold's doing, and guys would do that too. But the pig, so yes, that heavy machine gun, the heavy belt-fed machine gun is generally referred to as the pig. Yeah. And therefore, the guy that's carrying the pig can be no, can call it the pig gunner. Mm. And then if, if you remember, Ryan Job yeah. was a pig gunner. And usually guys have a nickname for their pig. Oh, and, it, and as a matter of fact, the guy that was stepping over the, the picnic table he his pig he had two of them i'm not sure which one of them was called frankenstein but the other one was called roadblock (laughs) (laughs) and this is this is in the you know this is in the 90s man there's no war going on but let's face it roadblock is a legit name yeah what is that so ryan jobs ryan jobs nickname was biggles and his his gun was called Piggles. So it was okay. Piggles and Biggles. <laughs> Roadblock is from G.I. Joe. What, right? that's the name of a weapon? No, of a guy. Roadblock. Okay. Or a, no, no, no. Cops. Might be cops. That, that I don't cartoon. Know. I don't know. I just know that my buddy had a, had an M60 that was called Roadblock. That's a, Yeah, that's one of the most legit names I've ever heard <laughs> in my life, straight up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh so, so every different military has their different schools, right? Your different skill sets, sniper, radio men, you know, medic, all, they, they all have their own little schools. And we used to share schools. We know sometimes our radio men would go to the, go to the special forces communication school. We, for a long time, we went to the special forces medic school. So we share some of those schools, sniper school. There's a Marine Corps sniper. There's all different schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are the seals run really really good schools because you get guys that are way 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 into it way into it mm-hmm. way into whatever their little thing is but we would run the the machine gunners would go through a course 
while we would go through land warfare, and it was like this, this, the 60 gunners course, mm. or the pig gunners course. But man, they would get, some of the instructors, they were, everyone was just so into it yeah. that, and I, ne- I, I would, the other guys, like when I was a radio man or when I was an officer, we would get, we'd, we'd do some, a couple runs. Because <laughs> you gotta be, but these guys would be out there for, you know, three days yeah. just burning through ammunition and learning to do everything and slap feed and push feed and combat feed and you know it just the guys would get so good and you'd see him as another fr- another friend of mine I had I was this, it was almost the exact same situation I think I was behind him we were I was walking on an assault we were assaulting through a target and he was out ahead of me so I wasn't I was like, um, as the radio man, this is when I was in this guy, as a radio man, you're, you're doing time on target. You get like the nerd roles, you know the stereotypical, so the stereotypical 60 gunner, he's like a big jacked guy, right? Even yeah. in every movie, right? Hell it's yeah. it's the way it is. Mm-hmm. The stereotypical radio man, what does he look like? Yeah, a little nerdy. He's yeah. a nerdy guy, he's got glasses on, he has <laughs> yes. to keep cleaning them in the fields. Yeah. And, and and so like I was, I was not, I, I mean I wasn't small, but that's the job that I had was that nerdy job. So when you're assaulting a target, your job would be to keep time on target. So you'd call out, you know, one minute. And so you're while the assault's going down, sometimes I would be tracking, I would kind of be, I would be a little bit more heads up. I'd be a little bit more detached, right? I got three machine guns out in front of me, plus all the other guys with the pea shooters. They're all laying it down. And I might take a step back to be, okay, I'm making comms. I'm making sure we're doing good, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was watching one of my other buddies. <laughs> and I just, like he was, so there's a there's a feed tray, there's a, bu- a bunch of different ways that you can reload your M60. Mm-hmm. And I just remember him, he, in the most smooth fashion that you could imagine, mm-hmm. the particular, he was, he was slap feeding it, so he opens up the feed tray and he opens up the feed tray and he whips his hand. He whips his hand and what he does when he whips his hand is he hits the links. So you know those bullets in the belt? Mm -hmm. They're held together by links. And that when you fire that last round, sometimes that link will sit there, it won't make it out of the gun because it just fired. And so that link will sit there right in that spot. So he opens up the feed tray, he whips his hand, and and he hits that, and and that link comes up, he opens it up, link, and while he's whipping it, he's like prepping, he whips it, he switches hand, he grabs out his, um, or no, he whips it, he grabs the belt, puts the next belt in there, boom, slaps the feed cover home, and he starts, and I was like, man. (laughs) So, what I'm saying is when you got people that are into what they're doing, they're gonna be good. They're gonna be good. You wanna that's why if you we should have videoed those two guys. In those two moments, if I could capture those two moments mm-hmm. and just p- propagate those two moments to the world, people will be a lot less apt to wanna mess with America. <laughs> Because you think about what kind of humans are doing this. What kind of human has figured out how to open the feed tray cover, slap that link out, reach down? What kind of human is doing that and has made that into a a, a beautiful thing? Yeah. That's 
That's oh, yeah. what you're dealing with. Oh, yeah. You're not dealing with normal people. No. We're going distance. It's like, you know, those guys who, you know, they, they're into smoking, you know. So they, and I don't mean like they're just smoking. I'm just saying they're into smoking, mm. you know. So when they light this cigarette, they got the old school classic gold-plated lighter. Yeah. And they do the little mini yeah. micro performance before they light the cigarette. They'll, mm. do, you know, they'll flip it like it's a butterfly knife or something like that. Kind of like that. But yeah, as far as a war fighter goes, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then you just break down. And when I start thinking about all the th- little details that guys would do, every little piece of gear, they're honing it, they're they're prepping it. Everything is taped. Everything is quiet. Everything is just. And you'd get to see these guys. I, I, I'll tell you what. I was out on patrol, like towards the end of the Battle of Ramadi. So you know, we're like a, I don't know, maybe a few weeks or whatever from going home. And I run to some corner and I'm holding the corner as, you know, whatever, we're just on patrol. And I'm watching as the guys are moving and I'm like, good Lord. <laughs> Same thing, I'm thinking, I, if I was an insurgent, I would, this, there's no way I would take a shot at these guys right now. Yeah. Looks, like a, looks like just a machine, yeah. a machine, a machine that's alive, yep. like a cyborg, a cybernetic organism <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> Conducting sure. operations with one thought process. Yep, that cannot be bargained with and cannot be reasoned with. <laughs> oh yeah, doesn't yeah. feel pity or remorse or fear. Yeah, and absolutely will not stop yeah. ever. And and that's until what's you are dead. Like that's from a movie, yes, but sir. that's real. Yeah, think about that. That's a, that's a movie. Somebody wrote that for a movie to make that as cool as possible. But that's a real thing. Yeah. There's really, really people like that. I know them. Yeah. And there's groups like that. And look, the only thing is you can say, oh, they can't be killed or whatever. Did you say that? Or well, they can't be stopped? Can't be bargained with. Can't be bargained with. Or reasoned with. Cool. Yep, we're there. Yeah. So it's just a good comforting feeling to know that there's guys out there like that. Yeah. They're like that. Yeah. I know J.P. Donnell. Um, I've known him for a while. For sure. And he, he's always come off as like that. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Well, a little fun fact. Michael Bean is the guy who played Kyle Reese, who is the character who said that whole thing to Sarah mm. Connor in Terminator 1. And we might call this layers. We might call it coincidence. We might call it parallels. But his most played role is a Navy SEAL. Interesting. Yeah. The Abyss. <clears throat> the Rock. There are others too. Anyway, <laughs> uh, next section: maintenance of horses. This is an interesting one. I, I, I'm trying to remember why I highlighted that. I should read that. There, there must be some reason. Lord Wu asked, "How do we take care of our horses?" Wu Chi replied, "The stable should be clean and comfortable." Oh, that's why, because it applies to everything. The stable should be clean and comfortable. The horses should be fed with appropriate grass and water. Feeding should be until neither too hungry or too full. Oh yeah, so this is like a dichotomy here. Mm-hmm. Not too hungry, discipline, clean, right? Mm-hmm. Not too hungry, and then it, it, the, the, the dichotomies continue. In winter, they should have warm stables in the summer, cool stables, little dichotomy there. Their mane and hair should be kept trimmed, their hooves properly cared for, yes. See, these are guys, these are like pig gunners, but with horses, right? Mm-hmm. They should be trained to be familiar with all sights and sounds so that they aren't easily startled. Practicing their gallop and pursuit, ex- exercise constraint and, va- and halting. The bond between the horse and men should be so strong 
before the horses can be employed. Imagine the bond between a pig gunner and his weapon, right? It's like a real thing. The equipment such as saddles, bridles, bits, and reins must be strong and durable. Normally these horses are injured either towards the end of war or at the start. Similarly, they are either injured by hunger or overfeeding. That's the same that thing that Dave Burke said about crashes, plane crashes. They usually happen in the first 20% of a pilot's career or the last 20%. Management of troops. Wu Chi said only people who have military capabilities and civility can be commander of an army. Hmm. He must be one who is strict and flexible as well. Dichotomy. You thought I made up the dichotomy of leadership? I didn't. It's been around for apparently thousands of years. Strict but flexible as well. In general, when people appraise generalship, they usually focus on courage. However, courage is but one of many required characteristics of a general. Being only courageous, one would rashly rush into battle without any considerations for gain and loss. What do you need to be? Balanced. Such action is not acceptable. Now, the affairs to which the general must manage are five. First is control, second is preparation, third is commitment, fourth is caution, fifth is regulation. Control is governing the masses just as one controls a few. Preparation is during the journey to the battleground, always be prepared for enemy ambush. Commitment means entering combat without any concerns for one's life. Caution means that even after conquering, one remains the same Control and attitude as if just entering a battle. Hmm. Even after you win, you maintain control and you maintain the same attitude as if you just entered the battle. Regulation means laws and orders are to be kept to a minimum and not abrasive. You know what I've been saying lately? Hmm. Lead with the minimum force required. Hmm. Which is exactly what this says right here. Orders kept to a minimum, not abrasive. To accept command without declining. To accept command without declining. So when you get put in charge, you do it. Destroy the enemy only afterward. Destroy the enemy and only afterward speak about returning is the proper form of behavior for a general. You don't, look, you don't talk about going home. You don't even mention going home mm. until you win. When the army goes forth, his only thought is to die with glory rather than live with shame. <laughs> Legit. Wu Chi said, oh, sorry, this is four areas to note and characteristics of good generals. What, over 2,000 years old. Mm-hmm. Wu Chi said, in general, there are four vital points to note for warfare, and they are morale, terrain, affairs, and strength. The control and management of armies' movement lies in the hand of one general. That is the vital point for morale. When the road is narrow and perilous, at the vital point of the mountain route, deploying 10 men, a general can stop an army of thousands. That is a vital point of terrain. Making full use of spies, using light cavalry to harass the enemy, sowing discord between the ruler and officials and higher ranks and lower ranks reproaching each other is the vital point of affairs. When chariots and strong 
have strong axles and secure pins. The boats have been suited with rudders and oars. The officers are thoroughly familiar with the formations and the horses have trained in pursuits and maneuvers such as the vital point of strength. One who knows these four is qualified to be a general. Moreover, his reputation, virtues, benevolence, and courage must be respected by his subordinates and calm the masses. It's interesting that you think of these guys back in the day of these rulers being, you know, ruling with an iron fist and it's the caste system and you're just dominating. And he talks about benevolence all the time and righteousness. And how that's, he's saying if you know, if you've got a, if you've got a, a group that loves their leader, don't even attack them. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, he must be able to scare his enemy with his reputation. <laughs> and decisiveness when he issues orders no one dared to bit disobey him whenever he may be wherever he may be rebels will not dare to oppose him gaining such a person the state will grow strong losing him the state will perish this is what we call a good general characteristics and importance of good communications which he said now the different drums gongs and bells are means to awe the ear Flags, banners, and pennants are meant to awe the eye. Prohibitions, orders, punishments, and fines are meant to awe the mind. Since the air is awestruck by sounds, they must be loud and clear. Since the eye is awestruck by colors, the colors must be discriminating and bright. Since the mind is awestruck by penalties, it has to be strict and impartial. If these three are not established, Even though you may have the support of the state, you will invariably be defeated by the enemy. Thus it is said that wherever the general's banners are, the whole troops will go, and wherever the general points to, everyone will charge forward without concern for their own lives. As much as we talk about communication, and it's under the the law of combat, simple, simple, clear, concise communication. (laughs) If you're not doing that, if you're not giving clear, concise orders, things are gonna fall apart. Wooch, knowing the enemy general, knowing the enemy general, Wooch, he said, in general, one essential of war is to know who the enemy general is and evaluate his talent. In accord with the situation, use schemes and achieves, use schemes to achieve results without much labor. A commanding general who is stupid and trusting can be deceived and entrapped. One who's greedy and insensitive to honor can be given gifts and bribed. One who changes his mind easily and lacks real plans, plot to labor and tire him out. That's a good one. You got someone that tries all these different things? Cool, let him keep trying all those different things. So that's a nice little breakdown he just gives about what kind of personality you're dealing with and then how you attack that personality. Mm. It's so good. <laughs> if the upper ranks are wealthy and, ig- and arrogant while the lower ranks are poor and resentful, so discord amongst them. If their advancing and withdrawing are often marked by doubt and the troops have no one to rely on, they can be frightened off. They can be frightened into running off. If the officers despise their commanding general and have strong intent to return home, block off the easy roads, leaving the treacherous ones open and they can be attacked and captured. If the terrain over which they advance is easy but the retreat route is difficult, wait for them to come forward. Testing the enemy general. Lord Wu asked, if two armies are confronting each other and I do not know their general, if I would like to know more about him, what methods can I employ? Wu Chi replied, gather some lower ranks 
Men who are courageous and have them lead some light shock troops to test him. When the enemy responds to, to, to attack, they, the shock troops, should run off. And he basically goes through how to do a little probe to find out what kind of reaction you get, if they give an organized defense or not, and you can judge from there. Next one, chaos and communications. Lord Wu asked, if the chariots are sturdy, the horses are well-bred, the generals are courageous, and the soldiers are strong, but when you suddenly encounter the enemy and the troops are thrown into chaos and formations are broken, what can be done? So this is exactly what I talked about doing these sand uh, uh, rattle battle drills on the beach. Wu Qi replied, in general, it is a rule of battle that during daylight, flags, banners, and pennants to relay orders while at night, gongs, drums, horns, and whistles can be used instead. When the flags signal left, they move left. When the flags signal right, they move right. When the drum is beaten, they advance. When the gong sound, they retreat. At the first sound of the horn, they should advance. At the second sound of the horn, they should gather. If anyone disobeyed the order, they should be executed. Damn. <laughs> this is where I start to say, okay, you know, we talked about benevolence and I was on board. We talked about taking care of your people and I was on board. If people disobey your order, execution might not be the best thing to do. Only in this way, the army would submit to your awesomeness. And the officers and soldiers will not dare disobey orders. In combat, no enemy will be stronger than you, nor will any defenses remain impregnable to your attack. When, the, when outnumbered by the enemy, Lord Wu asked, what if our troops are outnumbered? Wu Qi replied, avoid engaging them on flat terrain, instead attack in narrow quarters. Thus it is said, for one to attack 10, nothing is better than narrow passage. Pretend to attack 100, nothing is better than a deep ravine. These are pretty straightforward. How to attack a strong enemy? Lord Wu asked if their forces are numerous, well-trained, and courageous. Behind them are dangerous high grounds. On the right are mountains. On the left are river. They are well-fortified and have crossbows in defending position. When they withdraw, they are steady as mountains. When they attack, they are like torrential rain. As their food stocks are plentiful, it will Difficult to defend against them for very long. What should be done? <laughs> this is funny. He's just asking these totally insane <laughs> yeah. situations, right? But don't worry. Have no fear because Wu Chi replied. Mm-hmm. A very good question. Such enemy cannot be overcome by force alone, but by the wisdom of sage. If can prepare 1,000 chariots and 10,000 cavalry and support them with foot soldiers. Divide them into five groups, each one traversing a different route. Now the five groups will move out in different directions simultaneously. The enemy will certainly be confused and will not know what we are up to. So he basically goes through how to attack from five different directions at the same time. And then what he says is you basically want to isolate some of the groups, which is a a smart move. And then he goes on to a whole section of when surrounded by the enemy, when caught in unfavorable t- terrain, caught in a valley, fighting marine ba- battles, wet and dry weather, also known as moist <laughs> dry weather, fighting plunders after, cro- this is a good one, after conquering cities. Wu Chi said, in general, there is a principle to follow when attacking the enemy's city. That is, after conquering the city, Enter their public building, control and use the former bureaucrats to take over their supplies. Relay orders that troops are not supposed to cut down trees, destroy houses, take the grain, slaughter animals, or burn people's supplies. This will show the populace that you do not have any vicious intentions, accepting those that accept those that surrender and settle them. This is very good advice. 
especially that bureaucratic idea. You know, we're going to take off. We're going to try and maintain their society. We're not going to rip it apart. It's going to be easier to control. It's going to be more beneficial to you and them. It's a positive thing. You know, this is the going back to the Iraq War and the disbanding of Saddam's military, which is pretty much now considered that that was a bad, bad move. Mm. We talk about it on, we talk about it on the other podcast. <laughs> the new, the newly named podcast, the podcast formerly known as The Thread, which is now known as the Jocko Unraveling Podcast, which will be up soon. Next section, and just to go back, look, we don't have to take this from a war scenario. <clears throat> when you acquire a business, your business buys their business. What do you do? Say, hey, we're here, get on board, fire all their leadership. Yeah. No, actually utilize their leadership. Take some of their culture, incorporate them into the game. Yeah. You know what makes people not do what I just said? It's because their ego, they're like, oh, you know what, Echo? We just bought your company. You're fired, or even like like you know you can you can be work as my you know whatever. Yeah. You I'm gonna take your authority away from you. Yeah. Now everybody's looking at you that should be working hard, and they're going, oh man, they're treating our boss bad. Yep, it's true. You know, good examples of that is the movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay. So this is an old school movie, by the way. My dad used to be super into it, but I noticed the aliens they come down and they take over your body. Right mm-hmm. now, they're what's this movie called? Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay. So they come down and they take over your body, but you l- still look like you. You kind of even act like you, mm-hmm. but you have an alien agenda. Mm-hmm. See, see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. So as opposed How's to like the exact same thing, <laughs> because the in, the alien came, invaded your body, took over your body, your whole thing. Uh huh. But they didn't like ruin it. They kept your whole. Oh, integrity so you're saying of your that's body. a good thing? Yeah. Okay. As far as that. That philosophy goes, <laughs> as opposed to like Men in Black. You ever watch Men in Black? That one. Yeah, but I can't really remember too much. So about there's it. this cockroach alien that came and like took over this farmer guy's body and yeah. just jammed it up. So when this guy, the farmer, the alien, the cockroach alien, was walking down the street as the farmer, like his body was so jammed up, his yeah. skin's all falling down or whatever. Everyone was like, "Ooh, like the, he couldn't function in society." See, what I'm saying so. His agenda. Was w- it was way harder to execute? You see, what I'm saying. Yeah. He ended up losing in the end too. By the way. Okay. So yeah, coincidence? Well, nope. No. No. They kind of stole that plot line from Wu Chi. Yeah, obviously. All right, Lord Wu asked, "Is making punishment severe and rewards clear adequate for victory?" Wu Chi replied. As to these matters of severity and clarity, I do not have all the answers. Even so, they cannot be totally relied on. When you issue orders and the people willingly follow them, when you raised the army and mobilized the masses, the people take pleasure in going to battle. When engaging the enemy, the people take on pleasure in fighting to the death. Then these three are what the ruler of men can rely on. Those are big asks. Lord Wu inquired further. How does one attain such results? Right? So this is a big ask that you're asking for. How do you get there? Wu Chi replied, you should identify men of accomplishment and honor them with a grand feast. Also invite those that have not accomplished anything. This would stimulate them. 
Thereupon Lord Wu had sitting on had sitting mat set out in the ancestral temple hall, arranged in three tiers, and held held a feast for officers and chief officials. Those distinguished by great achievement sat in the first tier and were feasting in the finest food and cutlery. Those who ranked in the next accomplishment sat in the middle tier and dined with fine food and less lavish vessels. Those who had not accomplished anything noteworthy sat in the last tier feasting fine food in ordinary utensils when the feast was over and they came out lord wu also honored the parents and families of the meritorious outside the temple gate again according to their accomplishments he annually sent emissaries to call on the families of those who had died in service for the country bestowing aid on their parents so doing he showed that they would not be forgotten once again, take care of your people. And I also like how he set up that little tiered structure yeah. of, you want to move into the next tier, yeah. got to go make some stuff happen. Yeah. And also interesting, too, that third tier is actually sounds still pretty solid, you know, <laughs> where it's like dying on the finest food just in some ordinary cut, you know, yeah. kind of the thing. But then you compare it to like the lavish top tier. <laughs> we all want to get there. Check. This is the last section from Wuchi. And I, I read a bunch of it, didn't read the whole thing. You, you can go download it yourself for the, for the details. This is the last section. And this tells a little story, and now we get to this point. The day before the battle, Wuchi spoke to the troops. All aides and officers must confront and capture enemies' chariots, cavalry, and infantry. If the chariots do not make prisoners of the enemy's chariots, the cavalry do not make prisoners of the enemy's cavalry. The infantry do not make prisoners of the enemy's infantry. Then even if we forge an overwhelming victory, no one will be accredited with achievements. That was his, that was his message to the troops. On the day of battle, although his orders were not onerous, meaning he didn't give these massive orders, he just said that right there, basically. On that day... His awesomeness shook the world. <laughs> that is the last line of, of the Wuzi written by Wu Chi. On that day of battle, his awesomeness shook the world. And I'm going to say that that's probably a pretty positive outcome. And, you know, look, these principles, we read them, we have some level of understanding of them we see the same advice coming from different people over a spread of thousands of years we keep hearing the same type of advice over and over again what we need to do is put that advice to work right put these principles to work not just for yourself but for your family but for your people but for your team but for your employees your bosses your community and the world and then what you do is you go out and you shake the world with awesomeness. <laughs> Echo Charles. Yes, sir. Speaking of shaking the world with awesomeness. Yeah, I was about to say. Yes. How can you help us do that? How can you help us shake the world with awesomeness? Well, <clears throat> you cannot shake the world with awesomeness if you are not yourself. Providing awesomeness. See what I'm saying? Understood. If you're incapable of providing awesomeness, how can you shake anything with that awesomeness? You see what I'm saying? 
Yeah, you're not shaking anything with a pure lack of awesomeness yourself. You're gonna have a hard time. What's interesting is like even back then they say the word awesome. So you know, okay. <laughs> Remember, this is the translation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's fair enough. Actually. Yeah. So <coughs> awesome is so my friend Anthony, right? He uh, he was actually at my house. Our first episode of the podcast when you came over. He oh was yeah, at, yeah. He was at my house. So anyway, uh. He used to always say the word awesome, like just just inappropriate times in my mm. opinion, right? So that kind of turned me off to the word awesomeness. He'd say, yeah, I met this girl. She was just she was just so awesome. And it's mm-hmm. like, all right, you know, I don't know how like a girl, she, this girl must be really something if you're in awe of this girl. You see what I'm saying? Because that's really what awesome is, right? It's awe. So whatever. Anyway, so he'd always use it. So it really turned me off. So I'd tease him about it. So anytime he's around, I'd be, I'd be overusing the word awesome. You know. Mm-hmm. Then after a while, I just started using it normally. You know, I, you know how that happens, right? It, I think okay. we talked about this yeah. before, where you you start using a word just as a joke, you know, and then it slowly creeps into your normal vocabulary. Mm-hmm. That's what awesome is. So I'm rolling with it. Okay. So apparently, Wu Cheese won't rolling with it as well. Yeah, apparently not. Now I'm really gonna roll with it. So. All right, well, we got to keep ourselves in the game, you know, this game. You cannot be awesome and shake any worlds or anything with awesomeness if you're not in the game to begin with, if you're not on the path. That's my opinion. What's the level of arrogance when you close out your book by saying you shook the world with awesomeness? <laughs> it kind of detracts from the message a little bit, right? Oh, well. The humility meter is not get, getting very high Yeah. when you're saying, hey, you know what I'm going to do? No factor, just no big deal. I'm mostly over here shaking the world with awesomeness. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I uh yeah, I agree. But um, I've never even heard a person make a statement that is as that might be the strongest possible. I mean, what's what 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 what's stronger than that? Like like what's a stronger way of saying this person made a mark on the world, right? Yeah. Shake the world with awesomeness. Straight up shook <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, it's legit. It does sound like a like a Kanye West maybe statement or uh, you know, Something like this. Okay. That's something he would say, I'm saying. Okay. Well, I, I will take your word for it. Anyway, be on the path. See what I'm saying? Now, what are you going to do? Okay. The path is like, it's full of, and I'm kind of quote you on this one. It's, pull, it's full of obstacles and traps. Mm-hmm. The path. It's true. So those obstacles, challenges or whatever, we've got something for you. we got some supplements. This is for your physical and mental ability to stay on the yeah, to stay on the path in the game, etc. So, Jocko Fuel, got a whole line for you for any, pretty much any ailment, pretty much. Generally speaking, it covers at least a little bit of any ailment that may be bestowed. Basically, you're just going up, you're just carrying the theme forward. Because we, we were shaking the world with awesomeness, now we're just any ailment. Well, I'm just, you got ailments, <laughs> we're good. I'm just saying. You got the Jocko Fuel, just, whatever's wrong with you, we got you. Uh, this will help. Any this ailment. Will, this That's will help. This will help. So it's just going to depend on what you mean by help. Hey, look, we just, you know, we, we just. Bro, you don't need to say anything else. You just yeah. said it. You say, hey, look, any ailment that you have, any problem you got, got Jocko Fuel, you're good. That's it'll, it. It'll help. That's the end of advertisement. End of talking. We're yep. good. Any ailment, we're good. <laughs> well, let Get me Jocko speci- Fuel. Well, let me specify because some of these ailments we simply don't have. You see what I'm saying? Um, like if you don't need extra pro, this is just an example. If you don't need extra point protein in the form of a, des- of a dessert, some people, they don't need that. Who doesn't need that? Well, a lot of people don't need it, but of course we don't want that. <laughs> of course we don't want that. 
I mean, as far as protein goes, how can it get any? Well, then again, steak. See what I'm saying? Steak is not in the form of a dessert, but sort of the same desire. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, let me start at the beginning. Okay, joint warfare. That's for your joints. Yes. If, if, and when, or let's just say, if they start to falter. Are you going to narrow down the? So you're going to now narrow down. Are you retracting your statement that any ailment is is going to be cured by Chaco fuel? No. I well, technically, I didn't make that statement. Oh, technically, okay. I said this will help. I'm oh, saying clear. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Okay. But here's I, the, I misread you. Here's the thing. I totally cheated on that statement because look, if you break your arm and I give you a leg massage, that'll help. It won't help your arm specifically, but, you know, okay. legs all loose and yeah, yeah, yeah. good to go. You so know? there will be benefits, benefits, even for truly any ailment. So you're actually speaking factually. In one way or another, yeah. Exactly <laughs> right. So anyway, joint warfare, super krill oil, there's an- antioxidants in there. Yeah. By the way, it's called z- xanthium. It's, I don't called, know. it's I, called ailment crusher. <laughs> <laughs> also, the supplement discipline. If you want some supplemental discipline, boom, got you. Discipline the supplement yeah. in cans, powder form, boom, whatever you like. Did you say krill oil? I did. Super, super krill. Super. Yeah, because really, when it boils down to it, not being on super krill and not being on joint warfare is not a good idea. No, you talk about uh, the the four something of light, right? The yeah, four. Those are the light principles. Yeah, those man, are those you principles got, of light. You got to right keep there. it light, Paul. You have to. In my past, especially after listening to this, I think so. And that's what the that's what the super krill, that's what the joint warfare, that's the discipline too. By yeah, the way, yeah. so it's all part of the the whole circle of. I, just, I I must say I drink the powdered form of discipline go like basically all day long. Yeah. Basically, we're talking about all day long. Uh, you wanna you got some you wanna prevent some ailments. Yeah. Even ailment prevention. Yes. Is what we're talking about. Vitamin D three. Get some of that. Get some cold war. And you can deny these threatening enemy beasts, ailments oh, yeah. that are out there. Just get rid of them before they even show up. Oh, yeah. Immune system this all is day. Like somebody walks up to your immune, some some enemy walks up to your immune system. They see the D3 and they see the Cold War. They're sort of like, hey, that's not, we're not attacking. Yep. They're exactly right in that right. category of don't attack. You're correct. Yeah. The ancient Wu Chi said, if you see a body filled with D3, <laughs> <laughs> and a cold war do not attack yep. is a losing battle yes uh, yeah. got the rtd cans you want to get some you want to get some jocko palmer you do want to get some jocko palmer this stuff is ridiculously good it the the, the stuff is good it's good for you which is crazy yeah it's did crazy you, did you see brian littlefield aka yes. b little's video on that on the whole deal they're yeah. like what what makes it different and i thought it was going to be like oh the difference is in the spirit or something you know something kind of esoteric and you can't really like put your finger but he ran it he went down the line yeah. like all this stuff you know like okay proprietary blah, 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 blah. i was like bro this guy is well uh, yeah he's talking about the the term proprietary blend which is yeah. a way of masking what you actually have in there and the quantities that you have in there yeah which means that you can sell people things that for a lot more, yeah. but even though you didn't put very much of them in there. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a, which is sketch. Yeah, it's interesting. And then when he goes down the line, you know, of all the stuff that's in there, it's all transparent. Like you know, all the ingredients are like on there and stuff. And you, you're kind of like, man, this is like this. That does that is different than like an energy oh, drink, sure. you know. Which man, I'm down. I like the energy drink Twitter, but man, when you when you read this, you're like, bro, how can I even drink an energy drink yeah, now? You won't. But here's the thing: we're making something else. We're making a 
a ginger ale. Do you like ginger ale? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, there's going to be caffeine-free ginger ale coming. Hmm. We, I don't think we have a name for it yet. We're kind of tracking on that. <laughs> <laughs> I was unaware that ginger ale had caffeine. Well, no, this one won't. It can or cannot. I mean, you can have caffeine-free coffee. You can have caffeine-free tea. So we're making ginger ale without caffeine. The reason is, the re- well, this is what I was going to say. This. The reason I said that is because I told, I told B. Little, I was like, listen, this stuff tastes freaking delicious, and I want to drink it all day. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I don't want to OD on caffeine. There's 95 milligrams of caffeine in every can of Go. So, you know, you have a can of Go. Maybe you have two a day. The maximum you're supposed to do recommended is like 400 milligrams of caffeine a day. Ew. That's going to turn me into a psychopath. Yeah, you, you no. Yeah, I don't need that. But here's the problem. Love the taste. Yeah. So... Well, it's a little discipline test because you got to yep. draw the line. But oh, yeah. also, the cool thing is when you when you're when it's your company, you go, hey, <laughs> you know what? I want something without caffeine. Yep. And so we're gonna make that. Uh, I already I already had. I told I just probably about the sixth or seventh iteration of. And he's still keeping in all the positive stuff, all the good nootropics, all the, the healthy things that are in there. It's all still gonna be in there. It's just not gonna have caffeine. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. I misinterpreted it like as if to say um, like normal ginger ale has caffeine. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, you're right. Like there's caffeine in the Jocko Palmer or whatever. Yeah. There's a little element of caffeine in yeah. there uh, or a legitimate yeah. element. Um, and, but this one's not going to have it's that not gonna caffeine. See, that way I can drink this stuff all day long, get the other benefits from yep. the product. Yeah. One of those benefits being <laughs> taste. Yep, fully. Because I know someone that when they go out for dinner, yeah. they get Coca-Colas. Yes, sir. Which are not healthy. <laughs> no, sir, they're not. You know, Hey, it's the freedom part, though. You know. Nonetheless, Check. speaking of taste, uh, like I mentioned before, mulk and warrior kid mulk, by the way. Mm-hmm. So protein in the form of a dessert tastes good. No? Mm-hmm. Tastes great. <laughs> and I don't really use the word great that often, Check. but I'm going to do it. And you can get some Jocko White tea. In the cans, uh, 8,000 pound deadlift, which is no big deal. I know that doesn't sound like yeah, a big deal, but it's a guaranteed 100% thing. And you can get all these things at originmain.com. You can get them at the vitamin shop as well in your local neighborhood. It's true. There you go. Also, at Origin Main is jujitsu stuff. When we start jujitsu, when we're in jujitsu, we want to get a new gi, we want to get a gi mm-hmm. or rash guards or, rash or whatever. OriginMain.com, they got that too. All made in America. Also, since, since you can't unfortunately just wear a gi wherever you go, unfortunately, I mean, you can technically, mm-hmm. but it's not recommended. Yeah. You can also get other things there like jeans, t shirts, boots. Yes, boots. You can get boots and all everything that we just talked about. Everything, without compromise, made in America. American hands up there getting after it. So I'm kind of thinking of the boots, right, mm-hmm. and some other stuff. I get it, but the boots. We'll just say the boots. So you know how uh, Wu Z no Wu Chi. Yeah, Wu Chi is talking about um, like, hey, you spent a lot of time making that thing beautiful, mm-hmm. but not functional. I'm still trying to figure out the use for it, right? But these boots are kind of like whoever made them, Pete, and them, was kind of doing both. You see what I'm saying? Like when they had the goal for boots, yeah, they were like going functional with beauty, like hand in hand almost kind of yeah. thing. As far as works of art goes, that one's like, mm, I'm not that much into fashion like you are, but... <laughs> It seems like that'd be like some top tier artistic 
there's Production. there's a good balance uh-huh. between f- fashion and function between uh-huh. myself and a guy by the name of Pete Roberts. Uh-huh. Let's face it. Pre, well, let's face it. On a, in a in a vacuum environment with just Pete Roberts in there, mm-hmm. all you have to do is look at rash guards from Origin, right? You can look at those and you can see where, where it's gonna end up. <laughs> <laughs> when you inject a little Jocko in there, all of a sudden things start, you know, we start going a little bit more towards the form thing. Yeah, I got you. know, you. a little bit Listen. more towards the form thing. Yeah. Pete can get wild. Amen. Bruh, I, that I guy likes, it. you know, likes the way things look <laughs> more than me. Yes, sir. More than me. Yeah. Quite a bit more than me. Yes, sir. Quite a bit more than me. But what's cool is you get that balance like the jeans, man. Let's face it, there's some things about the jeans that are a little bit, they're functional, like the pockets are slanted in the back, right? Just easier to It's like these little things. Yeah. They're legit. Yep. And it just so happens, let's face it, they look super they look dope, dope too. Bro, I went to Oregon, just got back, as you know, and on the plane, this is saying a lot now, I'm not trying to like look dope because the paparazzi's gonna be at the airport waiting for me when I arrive, that's not my situation. You know, so I wear what's going to work in the airport mm-hmm. scenario, environment, origin jeans all day, to and from, by the way. So you, if the paparazzi was waiting for you, you'd wear something different? No. My concern would just lie elsewhere, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I might even wear, I might even wear like, you know, those uh, gold or diamond rimmed uh, yeah, sunglasses? No, you're I'm going to wear something. No, 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 man. I'm just saying. It's a different uh, pursuit is what I'm saying. Nonetheless, those are the facts. Also, Jocko has a store. It's called Jocko's Store. This is where you can get other stuff. If you want to represent on this path, this is a path that we're all on. The path, the game, whatever you want to call it. The way. The way. The woo. The woo. Wait, right? Woo, right, is way. Again, I tried to find out if woozy meant anything, and I couldn't find that it meant anything that I could comprehend other than room and I know that this book is not called room yeah but I so, think woo, uh, if I'm not mistaken is called is the way woo cool I think I, I could be wrong but uh, I think woo by itself is martial as in martial arts as in Wu-Tang Clan <laughs> <laughs> oh okay it's clear to me now nonetheless chocolate store is called Jocko's store like I said and if you want shirts that say discipline equals freedom discipline have you ever seen freedom. a YouTube comment that says echo in quotes, like your middle name, nonetheless, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have seen that. Okay. Um, hey, okay. man, I, can I deny it? And, you know, I guess I could technically, but, you know, it would it'd be less accurate than maybe if I didn't deny it. We'll say that. Okay. Nonetheless, like I said, back to discipline equals freedom. Shirts and hoodies and rash guards and hats. Some women's stuff on there. Anyway, if you want to represent with merch, as it were. I don't like to say the word word merch that much, but if you like apparel you want to represent, chocolatestore.com. Subscribe to this podcast if you want to. Um, Echo seems to think that's a big concern in the world. (laughs) (laughs) As far as big concerns go. So, hey, not only is there this podcast, we also have the the podcast formerly known as The Thread, which is now known as the Jocko Unraveling Podcast. That's we actually recorded a couple more with Daryl yesterday. It'll be back. It'll be live. 
we'll put them we're gonna put them on this feed and then eventually we'll move them off to another feed so we don't confuse people grounded podcast we haven't done one of those in a while Mm -hmm. that's probably negligent same with warrior kid podcast but they are there we will work on more also speaking of warrior kids we got that we got that warrior kid soap irishoaksranch.com or you can get it on the jocko store and this is made by a warrior kid who's putting his effort in life to create something so that people in the world can stay clean. We have a YouTube channel where Echo Charles makes videos. He puts Sometimes, this this will sure. be on there. This whole scenario will be on there. Yeah. You can you can see what I look like. You can see what Echo looks like. And Echo then also makes these videos where he'll in a 3-minute video, by the way, He'll put 900 explosions, but in a three-hour video, he'll put none. Dichotomy, man. People are starting to wonder. (laughs) (laughs) I think that certain things, why don't you do this? Why don't you start with, like today you talked about 14 different 80s movies. Why don't you put a little clip in there or put a little something, make a Terminator robot or something, right? Just put it in there. People will go, oh, cool. I don't think they will, because I think explosions, Terminator robots, etc., are uh, do have levels of appropriateness. Given, <laughs> given, I don't think you have any given, limit, bro. Given, you have no limit to the appropriateness given, of explosions and freaking. Given what kind of video it is, so uh, you know we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna err on the side of. Uh, bro, can you at least try to put one effect into a three-hour podcast video? You know what? The jury's still out on that one. Uh, whether or not that's a good decision, but we're gonna—I'm gonna keep checking in, and you know, maybe, maybe not. But you know, either way, we're gonna—we're gonna move forward. Nonetheless, yes, YouTube channel—it is there. A lot of people, a lot of us—we'll—we'll we'll play the podcast straight up. Just play it on our TV, our smart TV. You know, that's a thing now. Mm-hmm. And you know, they'll just play it. It's kind of like boom—the conversation's going around, going on in the room with you. You see what I'm saying? It does create that environment. Is what I'm saying. Nonetheless. Tune into that one on the YouTube. That's the way to do it. Boom. Other stuff on there. Some excerpts on there too. If you don't necessarily want to listen to the whole thing all at once or whatever, you know. Because you I, lack discipline. Or whatever. <laughs> but no, some people they'll just catch the like the YouTube excerpts and be like, oh shoot, let me just let this one play. It's a good topic. But it's just the one topic. You see what I'm saying? That's good too. Very mm-hmm. beneficial. Yeah. Um, yeah, boom, there you go. Also, Psychological Warfare, if you don't know what that is, is an album with tracks, Jocko tracks, Jocko telling you, helping you, really, helping you. What, you don't want help? You don't need help? That's what you're saying? No, that's not what you're saying. Sometimes we all need a little bit of help. Psychological Warfare will help you through those moments of weakness, big weakness, small weakness, whatever. You will get help through it, 100%. 100%. I just saw you riff. <laughs> I liked it, man. Good job. Guz, <laughs> you didn't repeat this. You know, you, you stepped off your your standard. Okay. All right. I don't want to, I, I can't say script because it's not a script because you're not reading it. It was just the same thing that you, you know, when I had to ban you from saying that a while ago. <laughs> right. Uh, cool. Yeah, I also got flipsidecanvas.com, Dakota Myers' company, and he makes visual representations to keep you on the path. We, I got a bunch of books. The Code. Leadership Strategy and Tactics, Way the Warrior Kid 1, 2, and 3, Mikey and the Dragons, Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual, Extreme Ownership of the Dichotomy of Leadership. If you like what we talk about here, we 
wrote them down. We wrote this information down for every level of child, of adult, of human. You can start to get on the right path. Also have a leadership consultant company. It's called Echelon Front. If you need help with leadership inside your organization, go to echelonfront.com. We have EF Online, which is where I've been investing a ton of time going online, interacting. We do we're, Right now we're doing three times a week. I'm there. You want to you ask me a question? And you sent me a Twitter thing three months ago and I didn't respond because there was 19 million of them. Or you sent me a Facebook message and I didn't respond. Look, I apologize. I, I, it's not possible for me to look at them all. If you want to talk to me, go to efonline.com. Just go to efonline.com. You will be, I will be in your living room with you on Zoom, the Zoom call. I will be in your living room with you. You'll be, you'll be talking to me. We'll be having a conversation. That's what's happening. Go to efonline.com. There's a bunch of other information on there. There's a bunch of other, we got, we got courses to go through. We've got question of the day. We've got leadership primers. We've got all kinds of stuff. So go check it out. EFonline.com. We really ramped that up when we got into the COVID scenario. If you want to come to the muster, which is our leadership event, the next one is going to be in Arizona, September 16th and 17th. Then Dallas, Texas on December 3rd and 4th. Go to ExtremeOwnership.com for details. Look, it's probably going to be a social distance situation, which means we're going to have less tickets to sell, which means it's going to sell out faster. So extremeownership.com if you want to come. EF Overwatch, if you are a military individual that is moving into the civilian sector, or if you're a civilian company that needs people that understand the principles we talk about here, go to efoverwatch.com, fill out the appropriate information, and we will move you in the right direction, both of you. AmericasMightyWarriors.org. This is Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. And she is out on a daily basis, making it her mission to help service members, their families, the Gold Star families around the world. So if you want to get involved or you just want to donate, go to americasmightywarriors.org. And if you want some more of my inept interpretations or you would like to hear more of Echo's prolonged proclamations, then you can find us on the interwebs, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Echo is at Echo Charles, and I am at Jocko Willink. And to all the folks out there in uniform, actually enacting and living these military principles to keep us safe and free, thank you to all of you and to police and law enforcement and firefighters and paramedics and EMTs and dispatchers and correctional officers and Border Patrol and Secret Service. Thanks to all of you for holding the line for us here on the home front. And everyone else out there, listen. Wu Chi said that maybe we should try to shake the world with awesomeness. But like he also said, stay balanced. Don't run with that idea. Stay on the high road. Don't dwell in magnificence and power. That's your ego. Keep that thing in check. Instead, follow the way, how things should be done. Do things with righteousness. Do things with propriety. That means you hold the standard. That means you conform. 
It actually means you conform to doing what is right. Be benevolent. Take care of people. And if you do those things and you do them humbly, well, then you can get out there and shake the world with awesomeness. Not for yourself, but for others. And that is leadership. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.